Welcome to episode 895 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 895 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. It's kind of super special time, so I'm always good when it's kind of super special. Yeah, always good when it's kind of super special. It's as simple as that. Well, we're going to be digging into that very quickly, but before we do, let's say thank you to our patrons. Uh, we've got Ed Unbreakable Schmidt. We've got Scott the Minister. Morrison and Nick Nose Rose. Again, this week's show, it's all about Kona. We've got the Females World Championships happening. So, we've got news, we've got Hot Topic of the Week, we've got an interview. We're talking with Torsten about all the stats around Kona. We've got the geek on the show, uh, Wang Week and questions and answers. We've got a quiz question as well. We have. We have. Okay, so let's, before we get into the Kona stuff, we'll do a quick little news. So, Ashley Gentle has bragging rights over her husband because in the 70.3 in Lankawi, she took him out in the run by a few seconds. She did. It was very good to see. Uh, um, Josh Amberger take out the win. He beat out Mike Phillips um, by a couple of minutes on the run. I think that it was a pretty good race between them, but Mike faded a bit later on the run. But Josh Amberger ra- ran a one nineteen thirty. Now in Lankawi, that sounds like a shit time, but it's so hot that's not actually too bad. Okay. But his wife outran him by fifteen seconds when she dominated the dojo on the female side. Uh, she is so impressive. One nineteen fourteen. Does she race short course at all now? Uh, no, not really. She just does just does middle so, course. So, do you think we're going to see her go long? Um, no idea whatsoever. Uh, like she's doing fine here. She's dominating because she's the number one ranked athlete in the world right now, and she's banking some serious money. So, yeah, yeah hope, you hope she go she go long at some stage. Um, but yeah, she outran pretty much all the guys bar two. Yeah, ben here's a question for you: Is it? Good that the number one ranked athlete in PTO has not done a long course race. Well, I don't really think so, but um, she's yeah, it's just she's the way they've got the it game, set, but the way they've got it set up. I'm not on my phone here doing. Well, you shit do look like you're even. on your phone. I'm on here because I know that uh, at Lankawi there was also a long course race after uh, full Ironman, so I just wanted to give them a bit of love because doing a full in those conditions is epic. So uh, let me just. Give me a second and I will find out who won that. Actually, I'll give the top age grouper overall a little bit of love as well um, because he won by five minutes. Kwok Yung-Tay, listener of the show, uh, took out the overall age group race um, there. And then in terms of the iron distance race, uh, give me a second. Well, while you're doing that, John, I, I actually got an email through from someone oh, here. 70.3 India coming up this weekend. Cool. So we got an email through. I'll read it out while you're kind of doing that. So we got an email through from uh, Craig Brighthouse. Uh, and he just got, uh, I did Ironman in Malaysia on the weekend. After 35 years of triathlon, I can finally qualify for Kona in second place in the 55 to 60 years with help of new can nutrition, nice. uh, good powder package, uh, pacing on book of power on the bike and sticking religiously to a run-walk strategy. So thank you for all the info in the podcast. If I go regarding the race otherwise, two competitors were hospitalized oh. and unfortunately we had another death. Oh. Yeah, so one woman was pulled out in the water, given CPR in front of the supporters, and was still unconscious. And she went to hospital, was in ICU, and he sent me an email the next day saying that unfortunately she's passed away. Oh, no. um, spoke to a competitor who had her in their social media group, and she was 
brain dead at that time, basically. Another male collapsed on the run and still in hospital and recovery as well. So oh. it's not a good... We've seen a bit of that again, haven't we? Yeah. And it's, un, it's unfortunate, but it's mm. not so sad. Um, despite that, the race had a Asian specific 7.3 with pros and no pros in the Ironman. Due to a hilly ride, saw no groups while riding, so no drafting, and it was a near pointy end of the race, so it felt very fair. In the event photos, couldn't see any packs formed at all. Didn't miss the lack of pros at all. In fact, celebrated faster amateurs instead. Rolled down was interesting. 20 male slots for Kona and only one was rolled down. It's so, interesting because there's only 413 male finishes by the look of it. So the spots, because it's Kona year, mm. people, the, the males are taking it completely different for the women. Nice championships, 50 available, only 10 to 15 were taken. I'll, I'll come into how many females there are in a moment. Yeah, open uh, open up to any female competitor and still no takers. Looks like the Nice 70.3 on the Nice World Championships will be as popular for age groupers as the men this year. So the first overall male uh, was Toma, Toma Alexandru. Well, I don't know what flag that is. I'm normally pretty good with my flags. It's a blue stripe on the left, a yellow in the middle and a red on the right. Okay, mm, not quite sure. Blue. What is that? I'm going to write that. I'm blue, going to write blue stripe. Blue, yellow, red. Stripe. Uh, he's in 30-34. He swam 50-43. That's solid for a non-wetsuit swim. Uh, then he biked a 4-47. Equally solid. It's not a flat course over there. Uh, and then ran a 3-30, which sounds rubbish, but basically it's survival on the run over there. Is it Romania? Is uh, is I thought it, it might be Romania. Yes, the one in the uh, your second. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Yeah, Romania. Romania. Impressive. I don't know if I've ever heard of a Romanian athlete winning a race, so good on him. On the female side, we had uh, overall... Uh, well, what's interesting while John's saying that is we do seem to have that Nice is the, the poorer cousin for age groupers it at is this stage. stage. Yep. You know, at this stage. Now, give it some time and some legacy, it might change, but the golden ticket's still going to be Conan for age groupers at this moment. So it seems like every second year, everyone's going to... You know, although uh, with the with the female racing, do we hear that lots of roll down for Kona for females this year? Yeah, yeah. there was a lot. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, so it's kind of male versus female in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sotowa Otter took out the female. She was in the forty-five to forty-nine age group. She swam one eighteen, biked a six thirty-eight, and then ran a three forty-four. Uh, I can't see how many females there are. Apologies for that. Oh, well. But anyway. But yeah, the slots were not popular. 50 were available. Only 10, 15 were actually taken. Mm. So, Okay, so short course racing. Jason West has tried. Oh, hold on. There was one other uh, race on that I just wanted to mention because Alistair Brownlee's back racing. Oh, uh, he got second, and he did uh, Challenge Barcelona. It was a close race, but he ended up uh, second best. Uh, it was a funny distance. It was a, what was it? it was, I think it was a 1.9... 60-15 or something like that, um, just sort of in between Olympic and half Ironman. But uh, Yuri Klulin uh, took that out by 21 seconds and Imogene Simons took out the female race. Okay, short course update. So Jason West tried a bit of short course in a World Cup. What did he get, about 30 seconds, wasn't it? Yeah, he got a bit spanked, but good on him for giving a crack. And he seemed to have that attitude. It's like, you know, when you're running with Christian Blumenfeld in a, or faster than Christian Blumenfeld in a PTO race, you're thinking, maybe I will be competitive at this short course stuff. <laughs> you're not. Um, but his, his run was not bad, but what it really highlights to me is just the strength of short course racing. So yeah, he got a, he got a, it looks like he 
cocked up a bit on the bike. Um, but he came back with a good run. So he ran a 15.03 for 5K. This was a sprint distance race, finished in 39th place. And he ran, outran a lot of people around him. But you just look at the top 10 or so, and they're down like 14.25 for Vasco Velaza. Lots of guys breaking 15 minutes. So the standard at short course is so high. Like you look at Jonas Schomburg, you often see him getting spanked. And this is World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Jonas Schomburg, you <coughs> often see him. He's always at the front at the beginning, and then he blows up. He's still running a 14.58, and you're thinking, he's a, he's a pretty crappy runner. Not a crappy runner, yeah. but you're going... He's getting spanked by the front guys. The standard is so high on the run. It is ridiculous. Now, Vicky Holland is making a comeback. Now, she's what I did a bit of research. So, 37 years old. She got bronze in the Olympics but mm. and being a mother. It's interesting being making a comeback in short course. She is. Yeah, she, was, she hasn't really done any long course. And to my knowledge, I don't know if she's ever done a half Ironman. Maybe she has. Um, but, yeah, she made a bit of comeback. She's done two races in the last couple of weeks. First one, she at both World Cups, she did okay at the first one. Got about ninth. Got a bit spanked at this one. But what I'm noticing, and um, you're seeing some females coming back post-baby, and the standard is, again, so high on the female side that it's back in the day, you used to be able to come back, and I think you'd slot, slot in, and it might just take you a little bit of time. But the females at the moment that are trying to come back, A, they're a bit older, and B, they've had babies, are just getting drilled. Well, and let's be honest, 37 in short course is very old. Mm. We've seen Gwen Jorgensen, different case here. You know, she's been away for a long time, so it's not entirely surprising. But even Katie Zaveris, she did have, she's had, Katie Zaveris is doing reasonably well, but she's coming from being a dominator to being just competitive if she's lucky. She did go quite well in the Super League, um, but it's a tough road back, you know, it, it really is, so... <coughs> Good luck to her, Vicky Holland. Um, we'll see how she gets on. Very, great Britain team and very, very hard to crack. So I don't know if she's got any aspirations in making the Olympics. Probably left her run a little bit late. Um, but good to see her back anyway. You watched the Malibu Super League and you were pretty impressed. Yeah, it was good racing. Um, and Why were you impressed? Well, what I used to dislike about this way, the format that they've got, it's called the Eliminator format. And so you're basically doing three super sprint triathlons um, with a short gap in between each one. And then, but the, all that matters is the last one. That's, you know, whoever yep. wins, wins, wins the last one. And so the first two rounds... And it, the field gets smaller as the races go yes, by. Yes, each, each race you lose five athletes. So you start with 20 and then the second round you have 15, and then the third round there's only 10 of you. Uh, and so what used to happen, it used to be a bit of a bore because it was basically qualifying heats. Yeah, you're just watching the, the back end of the field, aren't you? Yeah, and the front end just um, bunch up and they all come across the finish line and they don't have to push very hard. What's really good that they've done now is the first two rounds, uh, at whatever distance you lose to in, in that those two rounds, the final round is a handicap start, uh, so it's not a mass start. So all races count now. Yeah, and so they don't still don't look like they go 100% all in in those first couple of races, but they certainly go pretty hard. Uh, and you know, Hayden Wild, um, he had a lead going into the into this first into the final race in the swim, and that really really helped his race. And equally on the female side, um, it was made a big difference. Way tougher for the athletes because they've got to go hard all three races but um, makes for a, for a much better event. And yet, the, the cool thing with Super League, you don't need much space to put them on. Yeah. Like their circuit is, on the bike, I'm 
guessing it's maybe a K or something long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't have to do any road closure or anything like that. Yeah. Like you can do so these pop, to run. pop-up events yeah. all, like, anywhere, really. Okay, so we did get an email through from Skip Slade, and he was saying that, um, I'll just read it to you. I know that this may be a bit late for the podcast, but anyway, I was at the event coaching the Malibu Triathlon and Olympic distance on the Saturday and a classic distance with a 6.4K run. Super League was on a Saturday afternoon. The venue was amazing. The spectators were not. The age group racing was long over by 1pm start for Super League. I would say very few stayed and for the racing. Just like last year, there were at most at least th- at least 300 spectators, or less than 300 spectators, including race venue employees. Many spectators were just the athletes checking in or racking up bikes for Sunday's race. I wonder if the sports fans in the USA have, will ever support triathlon when triathletes won't stay a couple of hours after their own race to watch some incredible actions. The pro swim in the rough ocean, wind kicking up in the afternoon, around afternoon, uh, ride a narrow technical course where it can be within a couple of metres within them flying by and a very fast run. The excited announcers and the video displays keep you in touch and understanding what's happening the whole time. Since there was, uh, I was there to coach about a dozen athletes and was on holding a practice swim in the afternoon, I was there and interested. Even though I was aware of many of the pros that were racing, I admit I probably wouldn't have stuck around for the S, um, Super League either. I don't know if I'm too self-focused or coach-focused or what. I think it's a great spectator event, free to attend, exciting, but I don't know how to, we can pull more people in. That's my view. Anyway, uh, that's an Amer- uh, uh, because the other rounds of Super League have been massively well supported. But it's so interesting that even the people who are racing won't watch it. Well, I would if I was racing the next morning. I don't think I'd stick around for two hours as much as I'd. I'd definitely watch some of it. But I wouldn't stick around, wouldn't you? But I wouldn't want to be on my feet for two two hours or so, two and a half, three hours that you're there if you're watching the males and the females. If it was a priority race for me, I wouldn't want to be on my feet for three hours. However, that could be a timing thing. If I race in the morning, hell yeah, Yeah, I'm sticking around and watching. uh, Definitely doing that. So I think maybe that's an outlier and maybe it's an American thing because the other races in Toulouse and in London have had massive crowds. Now, I don't know whether they had age group races connected to those. I don't think so. Um, They may have. I'm not quite sure. Um, But... They had really, really good crowds. Yeah, and as you say, if, if, if we've got a course which is literally altogether 5Ks of perimeter... So much to watch. Oh, and so easy to get a big crowd there. And if you've got a big screen, then you can see what's happening elsewhere. I think it's it's a fantastic concept. It's a bit disappointing, isn't it? Mm. Okay, uh, let's get into the last week's discussion. So it was, if you've never raced the World Championships in Kona, would you consider going there if it was a regular Ironman race without... The pros, John, you, you go first because I'm pulling it up. Oh, well, so am I. So, uh, <laughs> so, so right back at you. Okay. Steve Dianotis, uh, no. Oh, I just clicked on something. I was about to read it. <laughs> well, he said no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Give us some details, Steve. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he did give more, but I clicked on it and it disappeared. Oh, what's that about? Second, I'm trying to pull my. This is great. Podcasting. No. E- even if it was a pro race, but not the world champs, no. Please. Okay. Definite. Uh, I've got Scott Horns here, and Scott Horns is uh, I would, but it would feel like a fifty percent less exciting. The one race, I, one time I race, I ended up on a massage table next to Pete Jacobs, who won the previous year. I am a huge fan of the sports and pros. Being in the sport for thirty-two years, when I raced here, I met every single one of my favourite pros, all the big names from the past and more. I got to peek in and cheek, uh, a peek on the cheek from Chrissy Wellington, even uh, chatted with Tom Tony. Uh, 
Tony DeBoom. No, it's it's it was Tony DeBoom. There was to, um, Tim DeBoom, and there was also Tony DeBoom. He was uh, a, maybe a little bit older and a little bit slower. He was still decent, okay. but he was not a not a winner. Uh, these were all just casual interactions. I had no VIP pass. That is Kona. It's all falling by the wayside now. So my my so my new direction is to. Uh, venture into the other side of the national championship qualifiers and the world championships in Spain in 2025 alongside with Clash, Daytona, Miami and the challenge races. Oddly, I've never done that and I had a chance to represent my country at those races. David Hale, uh, hell yes, only way this Clydesdale will ever get to race there. Good old Callum, uh, Graham McCallum has got, yes, I would, I'm never going to make it there as an age gripper or even legacy. It would be awesome to be able to do an event on the course where the World Championships are race and with so much history. It would be like playing golf at St Andrews. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to afford the race or trip though. Yeah, Tim Tansley. If it meant it could combine, if I could combine it with a reasonably priced holiday in Hawaii, maybe. Um, to be honest, the kind of half is probably enough to get the flavour for what it's like to race on the island. Well, Tim, you can come and do the half <laughs> on my Epic Camp Light. Now, on the Epic Camp Light, we have got athletes of all abilities. I've got some back of the packers coming, so if you do want to go and experience Kona, uh, Tim is right. Not quite the same as doing the full Ironman, but you get to see the whole course and and you get to do a race as well as seeing the whole island. Simon Underwood's got I. Th- Think that if you've never experienced the pros adjusting, hang just hanging out there everywhere, uh, or just doing normal athlete chilling in, there in Kona, you would not notice. But if you've followed the history of the sport and had those interactions over the previous years, it wouldn't be the same. It's a bloody expensive to get there for just another Ironman man money grab. Oki Koa, nah, there is the mana that is heavy in tradition of earning a spot from either legacy or prior race times. Diluting the entry even more will continue to make it less of an accomplishment and likely irritate the locals that much more given all the folks that would likely be uh, all all the more ungrateful for a spot they didn't actually earn. John Weir's got, yes, but I, I'm of the generation when Kona was the biggest deal and the only triathlon on television. Uh, last one I'll do, Simon Lunn. I'd go uh, as a destination 70.3 for some fun. Did I tell you about this camp that I'm running? We oh, can come mate. and actually do that uh, and have some fun you're, and see the whole line. You're thinking ahead of the game. <laughs> I wouldn't go for a regular Ironman. It's way too expensive and difficult for that. Uh, James Thomas got the 70.3 was enough to let me know how hard the fall would be. Still love to do it one day. I'll never win maybe the 90 plus age group. Uh, so I'll do a destination race. Might be cheaper too. John, your thoughts? Um, so I've got to put myself in a position of, if I was a position where I was going to, I had a chance of qualifying, um, if I was that kind of athlete, you kind of on the fringe, I'd probably hold out and try to qualify when it was going to be the world champs. If I was somebody that was n- never going to have a chance of qualifying um, and wasn't prob- probably wasn't going to get enough to do legacy, because like, when we live in New Zealand, there's only one race a year, so you've got yep. to travel quite a bit or stay in the sport for quite a long time if you want to get there, then I'd say, yes, I would go there to just to experience it. It's uh, it's a unique challenge and quite different to any other Ironman that I've done and because of the history that's there. So I would say, yes, I would do it. You wouldn't do it now, but would you? I wouldn't do it now, no. no. Um, well, no, actually, having said that, yes, I possibly would. Oh, really? Um, possibly. But like if you're going to go, this year I'm going to spend money on going to an Ironman race... Well, you wouldn't choose Kona, would you? My thing with Kona is I've just got to, I just want to go there and have a really solid race. Yep. And so whether it's a world champs, yes, I would prefer it to be the world champs. Yep. But 
if it, a lot of people have commented on here how expensive it is, and it is insanely expensive. Um, if you were to say to me, John, you're going to go on a non-world champs year and it's going to cost you half the price for not only just entry but accommodation, everything's going to be half the price, I'd go, yeah, I probably would. I just want to go there and have a really solid <coughs> race. I'm less concerned now about going there for the world champs, and it's definitely going to be a lesser uh, experience, but it's still going to be an Ironman. If you have a full field there, it'll still be really but cool But do you experience. think the fact that it's not a world champs also takes a bit of pressure off you? Like, you know, you've said, <clears throat> I know your Kona experiences haven't mm. been what you want them to be, but that's partly because deep down you did want to do well. Yeah. And so if you turn up to a race where, you know, you, 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 you'd probably podium, yeah. you know, um, mm. quite comfortably. Um I like, like the, 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 I like the confidence you've got in me. Well, you know, yeah. we, let's say you're in your early 50s. You yeah. know, you, if you didn't get in the top five at least or top 10, you'd be pretty mm. disappointed mm. At, at a non-World Championships race. Does the fact that it's a World Championship, that you want that pressure, don't you? Uh, like, wouldn't you rather deliver the net than just going onto a course? Yeah, again, I would, but that's that's just one factor. I'd, yep. It's more about the performance for me. And, and I would put enough so much pressure on myself that... I don't think it'd be that different to being in a world champs for me. Yeah, I'd be it'd, it'd be frustrating when you haven't got, you know, you don't really know where you're ranking up. But for me, it'd be about the performance. You know, be looking at power output, pace on the run, and and if I finished first or tenth, whatever. If I have a really good race, whatever the places, the places. And but again, I'd go back if I had the choice. All things being equal, hell yeah, going for the world champs. But if there was quite a few other factors that are going to make the non world champs appealing enough then I'd say yeah I'd still go and do it and if I was in the boat where you'd never qualify yeah you've, I'd just it'd be a one and done I wouldn't mm. keep going back uh, some people love it uh, but not for me so for so me, me it was quite a split quite a split there we'll come to you in a sec but there was quite a split there of people saying definitely not and quite a few that saying yes um, like Peter Fitzwiller said and he went last year I think he said yes I would if it was less expensive um, so yeah how much cheaper would it be I, I don't think it would be much cheaper yeah because we go there in May time for the 70.3 uh, and accommodation yes it's cheaper it's still bloody expensive yeah so for me I don't think I would because mm. I think if I were to go back to the sport I want to be ambitious mm. and, and you could say if I was someone who couldn't qualify but but I'm not that person. Yeah, I would want to go into the sport with the the, the dream mm. of of getting to that race, mm -hmm. um, and so going to it as a lesser year just to have an experience would not appeal to me. Mm. I'd rather go somewhere else in the world and race. Now mm. I get it if you're someone who can never qualify or never, your legacy's not a, not a beast. I get that that can be an option that could work for you. But for, if I'm just speaking personally to myself, if I were to ever go back to doing last course triathlon. I, I wouldn't want to be guys just there to tick a box. It's too much mm. of a commitment for me. Um, I'd want to be someone who's ambitious. So it, it'd be, it would be a no for me. I, I'd mm. definitely, I, I'd rather, if I want to have an experience, I want to do like a Norseman or I'd mm. want to go somewhere really cool in a way. And, and admittedly, I've been there before. So yeah. um, it's a bit of a different beast. But um, I think we've just got to respect everybody. Everybody yeah. feels so differently about this. And I think we, we don't want to get in this bandwagon. I do think you, you'd have to go into it accepting it's, it's a lesser experience. Mm. Because as whoever it was was saying, it's the beauty of the World Championships in Kona. It's, and, and I don't know if Nice would have had the same experience because Kona is such a small place and mm. the hub is so small. Oh yeah, everything's there. Yeah, There's so where everyone hangs out, on. you've literally got like a K of places, 2K mm. of distance where everyone hangs out. So you just bump into rock stars and, mm. you know, the previous legends, the latest rock stars, you know, you're out there in the morning, you know, you see Jan Fredino running down the street, you know, mm. like it's just, it's, there's that specialness and there's also the aura of I'm at the World Championships, mm. which, 
you know, so going and doing the race and experiencing that course is still an awesome experience. But I think you just have to accept there'll be an aspect of it that's not mm. the real experience. But yeah, for me, it'd be no at this stage. Mm. Okay, John, now I've actually pulled rank on you on this one. Oh, you're not going to go just the top bloody three, are you? No, you've got to. You can't just say. So John's gone in and said, uh, he's got this week's discussion is, what are your picks for the fifth to tenth in the women's IML? Why, why, why are we doing that? We've got to go top five. Oh, but yeah, the, the, thing, the reason why I went this is I think the top, the six or seven really clear athletes. That but I'm, you don't know who's going to win it. Yeah. Um, you've got to okay. go top three. But I'm, I'm interested to see who's going to get yeah, fifth Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. But you can't say okay. you're, so you're the boss. Yeah, that's right. I like, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna get that sound bite and put it as your phone <laughs> message. Um, okay, so who are your top? I'm gonna say top five picks. Top five. Top five picks for the. Can I'm be very watch. samey. Oh yeah, but mm. how many? Like we thought it'd be very samey for Nice, mm. and not many. No one got Nice, did they? Mm. No. No one got Nice. Rebecca Clark for the win. Kiwi taking it. Here we go. Okay, let's go, John's oh, quiz, quiz question. question. How many podiums has Lucy Charles taken at the Ironman World Champs? Are they all second? That's what we're going to find out. I think they might be. I don't know if she's got a third or not. But uh, yeah, how many podiums has Lucy Charles taken at the Ironman World Champs? It's just a heartbreak. Okay, let's go to Kona Super Super Special. Special. I guess the big dance this weekend team. We've got Kona happening. It's uh, pretty exciting stuff. So I'll just quickly take you through the start times. Hold on, just one other random thing before we start that because uh, I found this race. Uh, So it's it's happening this weekend as well. It's the Spirit of 78. And I don't think we've mentioned it before. It's in Portugal. And it's basically a tribute to the first athletes to compete uh, Ironman. So, you, you know, you did the, the, the full yep. Ironman distance. And it was held in 1978. So this race is called Spirit of, of 78. And so what they're doing is uh, they started this in 2017. A group of friends gathered to repeat the ordeal, trying to recreate the original spirit of the original race. Since then, every October, it is the home of the Spirit 78 Triathlon. Every athlete at the starting line should uh, have the feel of the first race. In order to keep the spirit of the 70s exist, it is mandatory that every male athlete has a moustache, beard, (laughs) or facial hair. The main goal is to keep the race as faithful to the original as possible. Speedos are strongly encouraged to wear and the top sleeveless shorts. Cycling shorts can be worn as well as running shorts and a top. Time trial bicycles and aero helmets are banned from this event. We do encourage the use of steel bikes with gear changes on the frame. Uh, in order to maintain the spirit of the first edition of the Ironman, the number of athletes on the start line will be limited to 80. Um, that will be chosen in a draw between uh, all registrants. Um, The entries will not have any cost. Athletes only have to fill out a form and wait for them to be drawn. Registrations are open from the 1st of January to April 30th. So uh, it's quite funny. I think they have about uh, 60 to 80 people that that I'm on their Facebook page having a look at some of the photos. And like you literally think, like look at that photo, you literally think that's from the early days. Yeah. Yeah, like it's absolute gold. And so it's just a bunch of people. You don't have to pay an entry fee. Uh, It looks like they do have some little... um, Prizes, little Iron Man prizes. And what is really cool on the results when they've got the results page um, next to it, they've got uh, where is it? There's like a little picture, and it tells you sort of how much kudos you type get. You get some. You get a little picture of a moustache if you had a moustache. You get a picture of a bike if you had a particular uh, if you had a steel frame, uh, and you had a picture of some speedos if you had the, the you know did that in the the swim and potentially run the speedos as well. So kind of cool. It's in Portugal. It looks like it's uh, just it's not a piss date. 
you're basically just doing a more of a training day. I don't know how much of a race it is, but um, yeah, good on them. Oh, it's really great. Okay, so so this weekend we've got the Kona World Championships, and so the start times are going to be happening like this. So we have the professional woman take off at six twenty-five, and then we have the P. C and ID and uh, HC, which I imagine is all the challenge athletes kind of. Yep. What, what do you call them now? Uh, disabled, P- do you? PC, uh, yeah, physically challenged. Physically challenged, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, they start two minutes later. Then we've got another 6.40. We have the 35 to 39. Then we have 6.45. We've got lots of wave starts. We've got so 60 to 64. The oldies. Basically 64, 60 right through to 84. And then we have 55 to... 59 at 650 at 750 30 to 34 at 0, uh, 705 40 to 45 17 50 to 54 and then at 715 25 to 29 and 18 to 24 and then the last start at 720 which is your 45 to 49 Wait, it's interesting how they kind of mix them yeah, so in the, yeah they, they try to go sort of fast low so yeah. the, the age group is start at was a really early start 625 must be bloody dark over there because back in the day it used to be a seven o'clock start and even then it was um Sun's sun was just, just coming, coming up, up. Isn't it? Yeah. so 625 it's going to be dark when they those first pros start and then the our main age group has started at 645 minute gaps and as bevan said yeah that sort of goes fast slow so you've got some fasties in the 35 to 39 then you've got all your oldies and then you've got 30 34 and then after that it's kind of a mixed match but yeah it's you, interesting you, you, it's interesting you wouldn't have got the 40 to go earlier yeah, that, that's pretend, well, it's hard to know. But when we look at females holding speed, mm. you know, like 40 to 44, you think you would have started them around this, maybe before the, the older group? I'm sure there's a good mathematical algorithm yeah, that's sure, come up with yeah. this. Um, but the, the likely speediest ones are the 25 to 29 or the 18 to 24s, uh, and they're at 7.15. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, a bit of a spread there. Hopefully so what does it mean time zones around the world? We've uh, got a 4.25 a.m. start if you're in Sydney. Um, obviously, if you're up in Queensland, it'll be slightly different. In New Zealand, we've got 5.25 a.m., pretty good start time for us. London, 6 p.m., um, or around about it'll be 6.25 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time in the States, about 1.25, and Pacific Time, 10 a.m. So for us in New Zealand and Australia, it's a Sunday morning race. Everywhere else, uh, it's sort of a, a Saturday uh, Saturday event. Okay, so let's have a look at last year's race. So last year's race, it was a bit of a surprise winner. Chasey Sidaro took it out. Um, no one was picking her going into the race. Uh, and put a pretty great performance. It was a great performance. Um, but a bit of a bore once it got onto the run because she was just dominated. She yeah. won by eight minutes um, off a 7.51.44. But... Um, yeah, that's an amazing runtime, but she set herself up on the swim and the bike, and, and often you see that. She had the third fastest bike time, yep. um, and you wouldn't have picked that. She was always known as a very, very good runner, but to have the third fastest bike time and the sixth fastest swim, it's one of those days you must think, coming out of the swim, I'm way further up than potentially I've ever been before. Go for it. Sweet. Was well, she bike. traditionally not a great swimmer? Uh, she's sort of mid-pack, mid, mid yeah. Um, but then you're thinking... On the bike, oh shit, it's just my day, and then you just get off and run, and so it's just a dream day. And then she's had some good results, um, she's had some bad results since then, um, so she's definitely going to be another contender, but it was a bit of a crushing victory, so it was a bit of a bore fest because she was so far in front. And that's the fear when you've got these just a female or male only race, as if it becomes a non race, if Danielle Reef is 10 minutes off the front. Let's hope like hell they focus on the rest of the race because it's going to be bloody boring just watching her. Um, but when you do have both genders racing, if one one's really boring, 
hopefully you can focus a bit more yeah. on the other. Uh, so last year, Lucy Charles Barkley had an amazing race to get Another second. second. Because she... Um, you know, she'd been coming off an injury and, uh, yeah, she'd had a couple of lead-up races, but it was a long-term injury and, and earlier in the year nobody knew if she was going to make it. Um, and what was cool about her race was she was battling with Anne Haug, who normally you would think would run a bit quicker. She still did have the second-fastest run split with a 2.57, but she's definitely capable of running a lot quicker than that. And she was just behind Lucy Charles, can never catch, quite catch her up. And so whilst there was a five-minute difference there, you know, towards the end they were basically running at the same same pace and Lucy Charles um, Barclay you know outdid her and then Laura Phillip was in fourth and but she got a drafting penalty so it could have been a what one of those days five minutes quicker you're more in the game she might have been able to run a little bit quicker wouldn't have been in the contention for the win but you know she might have been in the contention for getting on a podium and Lisa Norden was in fifth place and last year we did have Daniela Reef in eighth she did have the fastest spike split um, by a reasonable margin mm. But uh, capitulated on the run. She, she I, I seem to recall, well, she had the fastest bike split. She wasn't far in front because I'm looking here. She swam a 57.51 and rode a 4.36. And then you had the likes of Anne Haug and people like that riding a 4.41. So yeah, five minutes slower. But um, yeah, she wasn't. She, 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 you never. She, when she got off the bike, you're thinking. You have to run pretty well here to win this, and she didn't run well. She ran a 3.23. Here's a question for you, John, because if we look at the men's race last year, um, you know, a lot of guys are in the, the low 240s. Hmm. You know, a lot of guys, really. You know, I'm just looking at the men's here. Top 10, pretty much all of them in the four, 240s, and a lot of them in, in the low 240s. Uh, Blumenfeld went, actually, and, and Eden went even lower in the, in the 230s. Um, the girls' run times weren't that fast. No, you know, they we're, we're in two sub threes. But I think they... Possibly, possibly they biked a lot harder than. The was it a different group. day? Um, it was a different day. Good point. So yeah, that that's that's quite a big impact, and I I don't recall what the conditions but you, so were that, like. In today's world, you expect to see more than two females go under three hours in the world championships. Definitely, yeah. yeah. But I I seem to remember that they seemed to bike quite a bit harder, and it may have been dis- different conditions on the run. But you're exactly right. You would normally expect um, these days quite a few sub. Because, because really, even then you go, you're two under three, and then you had three under three, close to three, and then everyone else was over three ten. Mm. So it was actually, yeah, it was actually quite a slow run day mm. as an overall. Yeah. So hopefully we get a good close race. Ah, oh, be so cool if we've got six or seven of them, all within Cooey coming off the bike. Well, not necessarily within Cooey, but with the differentials being such that you're going. Okay, Daniela Reef's got a five-minute lead here. Um, she's going to have to run really well. She's only five minutes in front of the runners, and just then you'll be engaged the whole way. You just hope Daniela Reef doesn't have a fifteen-minute lead because then it's race over unless she detonates, and you never hope that happens to someone. So I'm really looking forward to it. So let's look at the prize money. So the the winner takes one hundred twenty-five k US. So then it goes 45, 20, 15, 12, 8, 5, 3, and then, oh no, sorry, I got that wrong. It goes 1, 2, 5, 65, 45, 25, 20, 18, 15, 13, 12, 11 to at 10th place. And then you go down to 15th place, you get 3,000. And so that's an improvement from what it was a number of years ago when it only paid 10 deep. And so it's pretty harsh if you got 11th, you got nothing. Now you get uh, $8,000 if you get 11th. Plus we've got to remember, yeah, the prize money over here. Like if, you, if you're finishing in the top 10, 
yeah, you're going to be covering your expenses. <coughs> if you're finishing 10th through 15th, you're probably going to be scraping in, depending mm. on where in the world you've come from and how long you've been out, been out there for. A lot of the athletes are there for, you know, two to three weeks. What do you reckon that's going to cost you? Because um, you're pretty up, up to date with the accommodation. <coughs> Uh, you'd be spending a couple of thousand on accommodation quite comfortably and then you're thinking, depending on where in the world you're going for, a couple of thousand for uh, for travel and things like that. And then living and then, expenses another yeah. thousand. So I'm thinking, you're not going to get any change out of five grand and it's quite likely it's going to be more than that. So yes. place, uh, 15th place is three thousand. So as I said, unless you're in the top ten, um, you're probably going to be just scraping through. Um, but we do have to remember that prize money is one thing. Points will be really, really high for the PTO. So if you can have a really good race here, then you're going to boost your PTO ranking quite significantly. Uh, and that's going to mean a significant bonus at the end. Plus, you're going to have sponsors bonuses and things like that. So even if you don't win, um, if you put in a top 10, I'm sure a lot of them will have sponsors bonuses in there. And then that helps you, again, attract sponsors. You can say, I'm a top 10 in the world. So yep. prize money is one thing. But there's a lot else that goes so, on. So we've been talking recently around how many age group females do we think we're going to see there? Because we'd heard a lot about the fact that the roll downs weren't really being taken, and we were saying that we thought, you know, somewhere around twelve to thirteen hundred. But we've done some research, and Pro Try News on Instagram seems to well, they're saying that they've got two thousand one hundred and thirty three female athletes, which is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? It's epic if that's correct. Yeah. And then they posted that those guys have got, have got um, you know got some inside goss because I haven't seen a press release about it it'll be coming out in the next couple of days but if that is the case it's 2133 registered uh, that's awesome you're not going to have that many turn up because there'll be quite a few no-shows but it's a bloody big no-show if you don't turn up when you're paying you know probably a thousand bucks US these days that's going to be close to how many people on the start yeah so that is massive if that is the case I thought there was going to be more like 1300 and even that's a good achievement you know when we look back to pre-Kona times it was uh, significantly lower than that because it was so much harder for the females to qualify what's the maximum number we can have Uh, it's about that 2200 2200 so much that the slots weren't being taken didn't we? You mm. know, like some people were saying the roll downs, you know, like not been taken. So it's interesting that, you so know, the, based on what we're hearing, we're expecting a much lower number. So the big thing for me is whether that's very sustainable or not, because, yeah, that, as Bevan said, it's rolled down a lot at a lot of races. So you would think a lot of people, if you ever wanted to go, they might go this year. But when this comes back in two years' time, will there, will there be as many people that want to take the slots? And also, have they caught up on legacy? Mm. You know, like, you know, because there was that kind of COVID mm. legacy backlog. Have we actually started to see that legacy kind of gap filled? And will we see it both in this year's Kona and next year's with the men's? Because mm. nowadays for legacy, you, you know, there was a period then where you had to wait five years to get your legacy totally. slot. Nowadays, I imagine most people can get it pretty much the first year. Yeah, we'll find out about that. Yeah. Uh, another big plus that you're really seeing, and as well as this boost in female participation in this race, is what's cool, whilst most of us, most people seem to think, it's not cool having the males and females at different locations, different dates. It's just, it is a bit weird. You, Torsten says, says this later on, and most people you hear from it just go, it just doesn't quite feel right. One cool thing about this is the women get all the attention this yep. week and the last week. There's been lots of social media stuff going on. They're all posting over there, and there'll be a lot more coming this week. So the focus is 100% on the females' race, which is fantastic because yep. I think the women's race this year is more interesting than the men's race in terms of who we've got uh, who we've got over there and how many different contenders there are. Okay. So let's have a look at the course. 
quick run through of the course. Um, for those of you that have been there before, you'll know all about this. But for those of you who haven't, uh, this or have not really watched it in detail before, the swim, deep water start. It's a clock, uh, counterclockwise course. So you swim all the way out one lap. And you feel like you're swimming for ever until you get to this turn point um, they have little intermediate boys but there's nothing really to sight you kind of have this hotel called the Kona Royal that you can kind of see a little bit off to your left and you can use that as a bit of a sighter um, but you're basically swimming in the big blue hoping to see some uh, awesome marine life although there's so much kicking and thrashing maybe not uh, so swim seems to go on forever and then you finally get to the turn you swim about maybe maybe 50 metres, probably even less than that across the boys and then it's a long drag all the way in and then you do have some sighters, uh, you can see the pier and there's this kind of, there's this radio tower on top of one of the uh, the hotels in town which is your main sort of sighter but there is swim boys all the way through. Um, swim's normally accurate, obviously non-wetsuit swim, um, never, never will be and never has been a wetsuit swim and it would be Insanely uncomfortable. <laughs> Not be good. Uh, because, but you do see it when you you see those um, the likes of Dick Hoyt and people that sometimes tow athletes uh, and they wear wetsuits. It would be so uncomfortable. Especially towing someone. Oh, God, you would just overheat insanely. Uh, the bike is accurate when, um, when, in terms of the stats that I've ever seen over there and ridden myself, 180 k's on the nose. There's 10 aid stations spread through the bike rides, so probably more than what you might get at other iron distance races given the heat. Your little climb just coming straight out of transition, quite hard to get your feet into your shoes because it's sort of just this little incline straight away up um, the bottom of Polani in front of the, the hotel there. And then you've got another little kicker to get yourself up the Queen K. And then you've got a little drag up Mark and Dave Hill. And then you've got a bomb down this hill called Polani Hill. It's just no passing zone that can be incredibly frustrating if you get stuck behind somebody. Uh, and then you have the first section that's really bumpy going up a highway called the Kuakini, a Kuakini Highway. Really lumpy, quite a narrow road. And for the pros, really difficult uh, not to be drafting up there because it is so narrow and, and the passing is quite difficult. Get a little turn and then you come back down Kuakimi into town and best spectator spot on the whole course is this hot corner and you see them fanging it around there and then you've got a really tough climb up Palani for about 400 metres and you see uh, people just attacking that with a lot of vigour and age groupers, especially some men, just going up there mental fast and uh, blowing their race apart very early on. And then you're on the Queen K and then it just becomes a big old long drag with 50 kilometres of rollers which is gentle rolling hills um, often find that the coverage on um, if you're watching it online it doesn't really show the, those hills but you are almost constantly going up or down you get to the end of the Queen K uh, to a place called Kauai High. you got a bit of a descent down to Kauai High, and then you're climbing up to Harvey which is sort of a staircase climb and again don't think the coverage really shows that the, the, the number of sort of gradient changes nothing steep but uh, it's it's just sort of slowly dragging its way up to Harvey and that's where it often gets really windy sometimes you can get a teensy bit of rain up there occasionally um, let's hope they get a really nice good decent wind because that will sort of change the dynamics of the race and then you turn at Harvey and you get uh, often get hit with sort of tail and side winds coming down you've got to just uh, have some guts and, and, and roll with it but it's a, it's a fast descent down from there. You've got to pedal hard, um, and lots of athletes lose a lot of time there. And then the real race starts when you get to the bottom. Um, you climb out of Kauai High, which is often really hot, and it is quite a steep little climb. And then you're on the Queen K, and by that stage, you're a bit over it, 130, 40, 130 to 140 Ks into the ride, and you've just got to 
get back to town so you can make up some big time. And the, the scenic lookout you'll often hear the commentators talk about, it's just a drag um, of a climb and again can, can often be where athletes can break away. Famously Chris McCormick broke away there one year to, to win, a, win a title and then you sort of got a few little lumps um, past the airport back into town um, and the last stretch is forgivingly downhill um, into town. And then with the run, the run's accurate. I uh, looked up, there's 24 aid stations on the run, so there's a shitload of aid stations. Uh, you certainly don't need any more than that. However, when you're out there running, you're thinking, <laughs> oh, I need them every just got to get to the <laughs> next aid station. Just got to get to the next aid station. Um, you kind of loop around town. Uh, you run down a lead drive. You don't go down as far as you used to back in the good old days. Um, but you're down a lead drive, Bit of spectators, and that will be one interesting thing this year. Will be to see how many spectators there are out there yeah. compared to normal. Um, well, the, if there's 2,000 athletes, you imagine it would still be few. Yeah, I think because the, of the family support. Last time around, it would have been cool for the guys well, and, the, and the females because you had that split day, you had twice as yeah. many athletes. So this year will definitely be down quite a bit um, what it was last year. So you do a lead drive, there's a few little bumps along there, which is a nice, um, it breaks it up quite nicely. Uh, and then you go up Palani, which is just torturous. It's about 400 metres long, and you just got to shuffle your way up the top. Then you're up onto the Queen K, which is a very lonely run, slightly uh, rolling, which is, um, which is again, nice. It sort of breaks it up. It would be a really tough run over there if it was pancake flat. And then you go into the Energy Lab, which is quite different. Now, if there is anybody over there that's watching, if you can get out to the Energy Lab to spectate, um, now the way they have it designed, there's a new road that goes in, and if you're out there, you could see your athletes five times within probably about and you 15 minutes. I don't know if you can get down yeah. there or not, but if you can, uh, it'll be awesome. Because you used to just run straight down to the Energy Lab, you make this left-hand turn, you go down, and you make a right-hand turn at the bottom, and you, and you turn around and come back up. Now you kind of do this sort of horseshoe on this new road, and there's this little gap where you could just move slightly, you know, be a couple of hundred metres, and you see your athletes multiple times, but I don't know that you'd be able to get out there. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's the, the run down of the course, and once you're out of the Energy Lab, it's sort of roughly 10-ish k's back to town, and it is Good luck. tough. Good luck. Good okay, luck. so let's, let's break down what's going to happen in the race. So you got Lucy Charles. We know she's going to swim faster than everyone else. But this mm-hmm. year's really interesting because, uh, like last year, we don't have the men in the race. So the male factor of drafting helps mm-hmm. or not drafting helps. Um, you got Taylor Nib. Now, she's the mystery ball, isn't she? She's, it's going to be, she throws a massive curveball. So if you haven't been on social media or following things, that Taylor Nib has going to the race and she qualified by winning by smashing not just winning 70.3 world champs which she's done in the past as well and so it pretty much when did she decide to turn up um well she she qualified for the u.s olympic team directly at the paris test event yeah she finished wherever she finished she finished third or fourth or something like that so she got an automatic slot so after that she's like oh sweet i don't have to do the rest of the world tri-series um, and she had a kind of slot, and I believe her mother's racing. She was she was going to be going anyway, and she's like, "Yeah, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to give it a crack." So it's kind of a crazy decision. But, uh, but this is where it could work for Lucy because hmm. she, she's probably not Ironman ready. Like she's a little, let's be honest, she's a rock star. But doing an Ironman, yeah, you can't discount anything. So, but that, oh, so, so the thing is, she might keep up with Lucy Charles in the swim, and there might be one or two others that almost keep up with Lucy as well. Because Lucy best just to hold back and might get, get, pull a couple through. Oh well, yeah, Rebecca Clark could potentially keep up, um, and there's one or two others that could almost keep up. Um, but the thing for Lucy Charles, she probably doesn't want them to keep up. If she can 
to have a bit of a lead because the problem she's going to have with um, Taylor Nib is Taylor Nib is a beast on the bike uh, and probably but could Lucy t- stay on her toes? Uh, possibly, but she would be definitely going hard because you've got to go. You almost got to go. I want Taylor there to pull me through, and mm. hopefully she blows in the run. Mm. But if she had that little bit of leeway by saying getting a 30 to, 30 to 60 second lead, she could probably get through the first section of the course around town um, be, uh, and get up onto the Queen K. And if she got onto Queen K, she's probably got more of a chance of staying with her through that sort of stuff okay. in town when there's a bit of climbing. Maybe not Lucy Charles' bike handling is pretty, pretty poor, and if a little gap opens up, that can explode pretty quickly. So I think, yeah, if... If um, Taylor Nib takes a con- slightly conservative game, going, I'm going to back myself here not to smash it on the bike, then Lucy Charles might keep up, and then that really changes the whole dynamic of the race. So Taylor Nib is just screwing with people's minds. Oh, yeah. Unintentionally, but it's like, what the hell is she going to do? Is she gonna, just going to go smash it? She will have really good numbers, and she's, um, she's, I'm sure she's got a good coach. Um, this guy, Ian, someone who coaches her. Okay. And he must be good because she's a bloody weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's doing the right. But the thing is, she's got a couple of really good 70.3 results, and I assume they collect all the data from that. From that. So it's going to be pretty straightforward going, that's your 70.3 data. We know you can hold that. Here's your heart rate zones and your power zones. Right to that. And if everything, if, if you can handle the heat and you can handle nutrition, this should go pretty well. But historically, not many people do well in their first Kona. But the historically, they're not of this caliber. <laughs> uh, so you'll hear from Torsten later on is the only other one. Marinda Carfrey has done it. So I think she's either winning it or she's detonated. Oh, so you pick it for you win? Or she's either winning it or she's detonated. Are you picking I don't it? think she's going to have uh, an average. I haven't actually decided on who I'm picking yet. Okay. I'll come to that in a couple of minutes. But it's such a cool field because you've got Taylor Nib who could do anything and Hauge knows is going to be a beast on the run um, and she's bloody good elsewhere as well. Lucy Charles Barclay, you know, she, she's got to have a lead coming off the bike. Chelsea Cesaro is kind of similar to Anne Hauge, is just a beast on the run. Cat Matthews will just be your, kind of your steady Eddie and I reckon she'll get on the podium. But, and Reef. And, and Because Reef ran 251 and wrote. But you don't know what she's going to do. She's just a, she's such a yo-yo athlete these days. Um, and Laura Phillip wouldn't be surprised if she won. So you've got that two, four, six, seven of them. I'd be insanely surprised if one of them doesn't win. Uh, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if the, if the top three comes Okay, you've got, you got to pick it. I am going Taylor Nib, Anne Haug, Lucy Charles. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going with the PTO rankings. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, and this is a heartfelt one. I'm going to Lucy Charles because I reckon Nib can work to her advantage. Mm-hmm. I, I think Nib's not going to be able to pull it off on the day mm. because first time, it's not just first time. It's not first time doing an Ironman. Mm. It's first time doing an Ironman at the World Championships in, in Kona. Kona. Mm. And it's a, you know, like you think of Bevan Doherty. Now I know he was the later part of his career. But he wasn't a dominator like she is. No. She is just killing people. Yeah. So. Well, when you could say Blumenfeld when that. Came in and kicked Yeah. Yep. So absolutely. you could argue. But they, they had done Nine Man before, but. But they were short course people, weren't they? Hmm. Um, but I think it could work to Lucy's advantage. I'm going to say Taylor's going to crack. Yep. I'm going to say I'm she's going to blow up a bit at the end. Uh, and it's going to work to. Oh, no, and this is purely just because I want Lucy to win. Because hmm. I just. My heart breaks for the girl. Hmm. How many times can you get sick? And we're going to find out when we do my quiz <laughs> yeah, question. Like the poor girl. So I want her to win. Uh, and then I imagine it will be like a, a hug. It's because if Reese's there, she's winning. Yeah. 
you know, if Reef's up there. But that's another dynamic that could also happen as well. Is Taylor Nibble will be well in front of Daniela Reef out of the swim. But if, if she's sort of a semi-conservative on the bike, which would be a great strategy, is if you let the reef ride up to her and then you just sit on her, Taylor Nib can, if she has a really great run. She's, Could she ride with reef? Oh, easily. Yep. She's an amazing runner. Uh, I don't think people give her enough no, credit. No, ride. For, Oh yeah, yeah. She, she could easily keep up with Reef because Reef's a bit of a, Reef's the best cyclist. Yeah, but that could work to her advantage if they got away together. Um, if Taylor Nib runs to her potential, she's a better runner than Daniela Reef. But, but if Daniela Reef runs two fifty one. It's pretty yeah. hard to run much quicker than yeah, that. that was but Taylor Nib is so fast. Okay, so mine's, my heart says Lucy Charles just because I wanted to win, and then I'm going to say uh, Anne Hag, and mm-hmm. I say Nib for third. There you go. That's my three. But my, I just want Lucy to win once. Yes. You know, just give her one. Yeah. You tough. Know? It's tough, though. Really oh. tough this year. It's which great. Is great. It's what we want, isn't it? Okay, we're going to actually get the geek on the show. Here's Thorson Red. We're going to break down some of the stats and some other things you need to know about the race series right now. Right, team. Uh, as we all know, and you've heard in the rest of the show, uh, Kona is on this weekend. And uh, the person who is the geek, he knows all the stats behind what's going on with everybody's performances, is Torsten Rad. Uh, so we thought we'd get him back on to talk through AS Tri Rating, which is your most comprehensive coverage of sort of the pre-race and knowing what the hell's going on um, and, and any inside goss on um, what he might know about Kona. So uh, welcome along to the show, Torsten. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I was wondering when was the last time we did we did chat. I, I don't think we met in Rot this summer, right? No, you guys no, were right. No. Uh, John was racing, but yeah. I don't think we ran across each other. So uh, really strange. I, I was in the medical to be in one place and not talk to with another. <laughs> um, what have you been up to this year? Then, so you said you've been at Rote. Have you have you attended many other races? And in, in what sort of capacity have you been doing things? Yeah, I've been doing most of the German races, uh, Hamburg, Frankfurt, Rot, um, helping uh, German TV. And then I did a couple of the PTO events um, for the PTO. Um, I was in Ibiza and the, I think the others I supported from home because uh, travel to Milwaukee and Singapore just for that one weekend was a was a bit too much on the on yeah. the schedule, I guess. And then I had the chance to be in Nice as well, supporting German TV again. Um, the role that I have there is basically um, commentary assistant is what they call it, um, which means be behind the scenes and make sure that the people who are on air um, a get get briefed properly before the race so they know what they're talking about. And then all these little things during the race, try to chase down a couple of the questions that they don't have the time or resources to look into, um, let them know. I don't know, about stuff that's not on camera that they need to be focused on. Uh, XYZ catching up, um, looking at splits, looking at um, uh, simulations and and, uh, projections and all that kind of stuff that um, (laughs) they don't want to do when they're talking on TV. Um, And I know that once you have a microphone in front of you, the advanced mod that's required for that is hard to get going. Is there much of a difference, you know, with... um... Lovato and Didi Griesbauer, they often cop quite a bit of criticism because there's a sense that they're basically seeing what we're seeing and they don't really have much other data in front of them. With the PTO races and with, say, the German TV, do they, you know, it seems like at least what we see with the PTO, that the commentators have got a bit more information. Do you find that there is much of a difference between Ironman races and, and other events you're involved in? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I of course, I noticed a couple of things where the role that I have for the PTO and for German TV 
um, there doesn't seem to be really someone with a similar role in feeding the information to them. So I think partly it is because Iron Man is not really putting that much uh, money effort. I don't know what what the proper word for mm. that is into into their coverage. Um, it it seems they have a fixed way of doing things, and then everyone just just does the best they can. Mm. Um, whereas for German TV, I mean, uh, the uh, I I was totally surprised how professional how involved how many people are involved in putting that show together mm -hmm. um and similarly for the pto and i don't have the insight for what iron man really does but maybe there is just that little bit of extra effort that's missing for them and that's mm -hmm. making it extra hard for someone like like mike lovato who, who gets a lot of the data that i have um we we chat and exchange emails on a regular basis but i think he's just off, often just at a tough tough position to mm. yeah well he's got the camera feed and then he's got to talk to it and doesn't really know much more uh about what's going on just without going too much details of the race because we've covered a lot already but with with nice uh just your thoughts on the overall experience i mean it it was clearly that it was a really big event um i think they they did their best to make it as much a world championship as possible um the the uh, bike course was amazing the the setting was amazing um but it felt a bit strange to me that all you had was the men there and none of the women um so that kind of camaraderie that, that the whole ironman family comes together that was was kind of missing and that was sometimes a bit of a strange feeling i mean it's it it's similar to some of the um ironman races where they only have either a male field or or a female field um it just feels somewhat incomplete uh, for, for an event and especially for the world championships to me. Yeah. Cool. Well, moving on to Kona. Um, I was on tryrating.com uh, yesterday thinking, what can I ask Torsten about? And it was just a few, <laughs> few things sprung out to me. And first one, one of the things that you have on there is uh, who's got the the most experience or how, how many, how many Kona's they've done. So maybe run, run us through who's, uh, who's got the most experience on the start line. Some of the athletes. Yeah, it's kind of a bit of tricky because um, some of the athletes that we were expecting on the start list uh, did not show up. So one of those was Meredith Kessler, mm. who was given um, a deferred slot because I think she was pregnant last year and had a corner slot that she was not able to take. Um, so she got a deferral just like, like Michelle Vesterby. And I think those two are the ones that probably have the biggest, um, the most corner races at least. Um, if, if you leave those, if you leave Meredith out, I think her first race was 2010. Um, if you leave her out, I think, uh, you almost have to get to Daniela already. Wow. Uh, she had her first race 2014, uh, raced every year. So she has like eight, I would think, yeah, uh, or seven. So she, I mean, she's still relatively young at 36, but she already has a ton of Kona, Kona races and experiences there. Um, and obviously, uh, good results there too. So, uh, amazing when, when those two things get together. Another question kind of stats wise is what's the average age of the women's field and, and how does that compare to the men's field when we look at, you know, what's happening in age as an overall? Yeah, that's, I think it's a very interesting one because the women have an average age of just over 35, where the men for knees were under 31. Oh, wow. Um, so you have like, like th three or four years of difference. And um, some of the things is also that if you look at the most recent winners 
on, on the men's side with with Sam Laidlaw, the the youngest ever at 24. And before that, we had we had Gustav, who was 26, I think, when he won. And before that was was Christian and St. George at 28 who won. So we have a really um, new generation of uh, Ironman world champions. Whereas for the women's side, we still have the uh, older, more experienced one. I mean, Chelsea was a big surprise, but she was also... Uh, last year she was 31 i think when she won um so she she uh is considered a younger one for the females but overall uh the females are quite a bit older than what we've seen on the men's side just off the back of your of your mind can you recall before christian who was the youngest before that um going and we had to go back quite a Wild into the eighties when you okay. had some 25, so more, 26, more 27 years early in the sport. Um, I think the youngest one before that must have been someone like Ferris, who was twenty nine, I think, when he won. Okay. Mm. Um, so, um, so we've definitely seen a pretty unusual to have a men's winner under thirty. Yeah. Um, whereas that was really common the last couple of years. Mm. Um, that was one thing when I, and that's why I got we asked that question about the age. I looked down the the list and there didn't there wasn't that many athletes that were under 30 on the female side and i just mm. just thought to me i thought there's a lot of guys that are under 30 um and one of the thing that probably dragged the the female um average age up is i noticed that melanie mcquade is racing and <laughs> and she's 50 do you yeah. think that that is the oldest pro we've ever had racing in kona if she starts, I think she'll be the oldest one. Um, I found two 49-year-olds when Natasha Botman and Karen Smyers did their, their yeah, last yeah. races. I think they were 49 back then. I have not been able to find a 50-year-old professional uh, racing, yeah. uh, neither men nor women. So I guess she'd, she'd be the the one uh, if she if she actually does start, which it looks like. Really yeah. amazing. How was the oldest man? Was Ken Brown? Was the yeah, he, he probably would have been Cam Brown. I think he was. Yeah, he I wasn't, think Cam he wasn't was 50. like in mid forties, I would think, yeah. when yeah. he when he did his last corner as a yeah. pro. As a pro, yeah. As a pro, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other thing, when I was looking down the list, is it seemed like there's quite a few debutants in Kona this year. Obviously, the most notable is going to be Taylor Nib. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there seemed like there was quite a few first timers over there. Is there any notable ones outside of Taylor Nib we should be uh, looking out for? Oh, um, yeah. There, there, there's a couple of ones that are interesting, but I think that just the sheer number, I, I'm not sure whether we are at 25 or 23, depending on who's actually going to race. But that's like almost half the field that is uh, looking to be um, a Kona rookie, at least. Um, Taylor, of course, is the most notable one. She's also the one who does her first Ironman in, in yeah. Kona, which is also quite unusual. Um, but there's there's a number of people that are. Um, yeah, rookies. We don't have that many who can play, who are likely to play a big role in Kona other than Taylor. But uh, just the sheer number is is interesting, and it goes to show that, um, yeah. Well, if if you offer additional slots, of course they have to be filled by new people that maybe not quite uh, raced there before. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see if. Uh, they can actually play a big role because I think uh, increasing numbers, well, the criticism we all had about um, increasing the number of female slots is that would water down the quality of the field. Whereas to me, um, that also um, adding more women to the field actually increases the quality of racing because there will be more people who are 
closer to the front who are willing to take a risk and and i mean just look at the number of favorites we've got like i don't know where you want to draw the line seven eight nine ten favorites for the kona mm. title this year um whereas we've had very fewer numbers in in recent years so i think um increasing the number of slots uh increases the number of people racing it increases the number of, of rookies racing but it also increases the quality of the race that we're going to get uh, so I'm really looking forward to this year's race and the close racing that we're going to get, I would think. Is um, Kat Matthews, I think she's, is she on debut? Or I think she's raced as an age grouper, but has she raced in Kona as a pro before? She hasn't raced as a pro before. Uh, she was, uh, her first Ironman World Champs was um, was St. George, where she was second. Yeah. And then she had that horrible crash last year uh, before mm. Kona that uh didn't allow her to race of course so um uh, yeah I, I didn't count her as a rookie but um because mm. because it's it's world champs especially with the moving uh yeah. venues now i think we have to be a bit more um, uh, open in the definition there but yeah. um yeah first time racing kona at least for cat uh you did actually confuse me with that because when i was looking on try rating that you had daniela took out the 22 championship and i was like she didn't win kona last year and i was like oh no she won st <laughs> yeah. george yeah. um so who's raced differently this year like lucy charles barkley has done no long distance triathlon this year so you know traditionally we tend to find that especially experienced athletes kind of have this formula they stick to so who's kind of changed their game a little bit this year yeah, I mean, um, with um, the long season and obviously people going towards Kona, everyone is kind of following their their um, predefined plan. Uh, what we saw, and um, I think that was quite unusual this year, was that we had Challenge Road that brought together all those big names. And basically everyone, well, except maybe Kat or, and Lucy were racing there. Um, that was unusual is that we kind of had a second World Champs quality field which we rarely have in other events before. Um, other than that, I think, yeah, most people stuck to their, let's do one Ironman and let's do a couple 70.3s and race ourselves into shape. Um, we've had a few who did quite a lot of Ironman races. We have a, quite a few who didn't race any at all, because mostly because they were injured. Um, but I don't think people um, changed their plans for, for Kona too much to what we've seen in the past. Um, other than yeah, they they had they, almost all of them met up in in uh, road for that for that uh, amazing race and the amazing performance that Daniela was kind of um, um, pushed towards with her eight oh eight fast yeah. time, yeah. however you want to call it, world world record or yeah. fastest known time or course yeah. record or whatever. Uh, it it was an amazing race and I think also something that'll be. Um, yeah, changing things for Rot this year, uh, for for Kona this year, because there will be everyone else who was in that race kind of went off road, knowing, gosh, we really have to do our homework uh, even better than we thought we had to. And I've talked to some of the people here in Germany. Uh, everyone just did an extra round of uh, uh, wind wind tunnel testing, an extra round of uh, nutrition checks um, to be super sure that they're going to be in good form for Kona. So, um, yeah, it's it's just like Daniela is kind of dragging everyone else uh, to her level that she was in Rot. So we'll see what we get in what get in Kona this year. It's been so much racing. I'd forgotten it was an eight oh eight. That's oh, she's just smashed it. She's like thirteen minutes ahead of Anne Hug, wasn't she? Was like, yeah, no, like, yeah. Um, yeah, and she just uh, she, a casual two fifty one at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Is anybody in particular raced? Uh, you, you mentioned some people have raced a lot, but does anybody uh, stand out? You know, we used to have like the likes of Hilary Biscay and people like that that would just do a ridiculous amount of Ironmans in a year. Uh, has anybody in particular done loads? Yeah, I mean, we've got a couple of people who did loads, uh, not at the Hillary Biscay level, but the, the biggest one has, is Els Visser and um, 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 Lauren Zimmerman, who, who did three Ironman races this year and are going to race in, in Kona. Uh, Jody Robertson also had three, Jen Annette had three, um, but some of them were, were DNFs. And the biggest number of races that I could find was Rebecca Clark, who did 11 races in her whole schedule, including mm. two Ironman races. Um, not sure what that will mean for her Kona race. Um, but I don't think we have people. I mean, Els Visser, um, doing three Ironmans and and having a fast time in Almer not too long ago. I mean, that might probably impact her chances for a good Kona. But other than that, yeah, I think um, nobody does uh, do things like like Hillary did in her time. <laughs> you know, thinking back a few years ago, there was the controversy around fifty and and female pros in, in Kona. I think at that time it was around 35. Uh, we've now got 55. So how does that compare? Obviously splitting the days makes it kind of took that issue away, but uh, we now have 55. So how is that comparing when we look in previous years with the pro racing for the females? Yeah, we've had some some Kona years where we had really, really big fields uh, on the pro side. I think there was one year in the 2004 or five time frame where we had like 110 male pros racing. Mm-hmm. Obviously that number has gone down. They had larger women's field too, but basically since we have the KPR system, which severely limited the number of females racing or men and females racing, uh, this will be the biggest female field ever that we've seen uh, in Kona. And potentially this is going to be the first year where the female field will be larger than the men's field in. Uh, we've had 40 men start in Nice, and it looks like we still are at 52-ish who are likely to start for the females. So looks like we're going to have a larger female field than than the men's field this year do we ever see you know getting back to a lot more pros racing in in the championship races you know now that we're splitting the days arguably you could have 100 men racing again as i know the qualification system makes makes incentive to do the imm races outside of the world championships but can we see a future where we are going to get more pros racing I don't think it's going to be, it would be a good thing to have more pros racing. I'd rather reduce the number of pros mm. who race in Kona. Um, I looked at the the qualifying um, races this year and how far down the slots rolled. Um, and they rolled a lot further than in the past, both for the men and for the women, which to me is kind of an indication. Well, Ironman had to kind of shrink the number of qualifying races they had after COVID. Uh, before COVID, they were in the order of 30, uh, maybe a little bit more. Uh, Ironman qualifying races. Now they're down to uh, in the 20 region. Um, and to me, that that the number of qualifying races and the number of pros qualifying has to be in a kind of a balance. Uh, if you And if you decrease the number of races that qualify and that offer slots, at some point it gets kind of strange. I mean, if, if you had, if you look at Cairns, they had, I think, nine pro female pros racing. And uh, three or four of them were already qualified. And then one or two slots didn't even get filled. Um, Similar Mm. situation, I think, in Austria. And once we are at that point, it's to me a clear indication that there are too many slots um, being offered. So I'd rather see the field being reduced maybe to 40 or or that number, uh, both for the men and the women. 
and that would um, kind of alleviate some of the problems of the really close fields that we already always have in Kona, the the drafting issues that always come up um, that would make um, policing that kind of situation a little bit easier. And I don't think that, um, yeah, the, really increasing the number of pros again would be a good move at this point. You mentioned 2004, 2005. That's when I qualified as a pro, finishing 10th at Ironman New Zealand, and it was like a 901 or something like that. So the standard back then was uh, was not particularly high. Um, <laughs> so one you've talked about, Taylor Nib. I was just wondering, you know, she has not done an Ironman. She's debuting in Kona. The only other one that I could think of that's ever done that, either on the male or female side, was I think Miranda Carfrey. Um, did you is do you know of anybody that's ever just debuted on Kona? And because you've got to be yep. basically a world. 70.3 champion, I guess that's the only way you can get in. In recent times. Yeah. Yeah, in, in, in recent times. Uh, Rini was the last one I'm aware of too. That was uh, 2010. Um, there was one the year before that, that was Julie Dibbins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Both of them 70.3 world champions who got a got a slot for Kona of that. Uh, no validation requirement, just as, as Taylor didn't have to validate uh, this year. Um, and it, both of them interestingly also finished on the podium in their in their first mm -hmm. Ironman. So I think Julie was third and Rini was was second. So that maybe is is a sign of where Taylor. Well, yeah, three, two, one is the next one. Then yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's it's a re um, relatively recent uh, thing that 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 is has gotten possible again. Um, going back in Ironman history a bit further, um, the most well known one probably is Luke van Leerd who won okay. on Ironman oh, yeah. debut, yeah, um, but that was 1996. Um, he, at least he had done Nice before that, which had that um, 420, yeah. 30 distance, so a little bit longer than than middle distance. And going back further, I think on the female side, you have to go back as far as 1983 when uh, one of the Puntos twins won, and that probably was her Ironman debut. But, I mean, those were the times where there wasn't any any other Ironman either. So mm -hmm. either you went to Kona when you won there, then um, you won on, on Kona debut and on your Ironman debut. But that's about how, how far back you have to go. It's really unusual that someone uh, does their first Ironman Kona and probably even more unusual for them to do well. I wonder where Luke Van Leer qualified because um, I remember that year he got second at the short course world championships. Was that 96, I think? So I wonder where he qualified or do, maybe you didn't even have to qualify back then. Well, there wasn't really any qualifying back then. Um, you yeah. just were invited in. My guess is he was invited because he was either second or third in long distance world champs, yes. which might've been Nice yeah, the yeah. year before. Yeah. Uh, so something going on there. And I guess they just made it um, a bit more open to short course or people who never done an Ironman either in those years. Invitation was the way it went. And then, um, yeah, Luke really spanked everyone in the field there. When we, when we look at this year's race, the, the top five seems to be battling it out for the win. But from five to 10, who are some people who maybe dark horses or what are your thoughts for what's going to happen in that part of the race? <laughs> well, I mean, you've got a couple of interesting ones that I think are probably not going to be a factor for, let's say, the podium. But um, who may may impact um, at least how the race unfolds? If you take someone like Lisa Norton, uh, who, sw who swims well, who bikes well, who probably doesn't have the run for a podium or a top five finish, but um, if she 
has someone around her on the bike and they team up. I don't know. It could be a Daniela. It could be maybe a Taylor or, or someone from further back, Chelsea Sodaro, someone like that. Um, she could really help someone um, um, deliver a solid bike leg. And that would put the other person in, in a really good position for a great finish at the front. Um, so she'd be someone, I don't know, Jocelyn McCauley. Similarly, um, Jocelyn has struggled uh, a bit with her, with her run uh, recently. Um, always been solid on the bike. Again, might might be someone who influences the race, but I don't see her as a particularly strong top ten candidate unless um, she she listens to this and uh, she decides <laughs> to up. show me that she can run after all. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a German coach too, so uh, that that might help. But yeah. um, take a Sky Munch, um, also someone who maybe doesn't quite have the, the whole package for for a podium right now, mm. but. Um, She'd she'd be a solid top ten candidate for me. Mm. Um, yeah, Ruth Assel might be someone who could who could look into that. Who was there last year? Um, Laura Siddle, um, unfortunately, probably not after her her problems at Crash. after Brazil. And I don't know how how much training she was able to do after that. But there's a couple who will be interesting. Um, but to me, it comes down to that. Yeah, I don't know which number you want to use. Five, six, seven athletes who are gunning for the win um any you, you mentioned a few withdrawals so far any others uh that are notable or any any sort of kind of gossip that you've got going on yeah well sitting in germany you're not in the middle of kona gossip <laughs> unfortunately um and the withdrawals i heard were basically mostly those that were that were announced on on social media um i think it's pretty known that barbara rivera's had a pretty horrible crash and still recovering from that. Um, Ellis Alberts has other plans. Meredith Kessler has other plans. Um, who else? Um, yeah, Susie Cheatham just posted that she was sick and wasn't able to train properly, and her doctor discouraged her from racing. Uh, she'd have been one of those that are also on the verge of breaking into the top 10 on a healthy day. Um, but to, so far, I mean, uh, no one, at least none of the big names, and I'm almost waiting for for something like that to happen mm -hmm. because usually you always have some yeah. big name who, who does a late uh, last moment withdrawal. Fingers crossed that this is not going to happen this year. It's just we haven't actually put on our list of questions here. Uh, what's your top three? <laughs> Personal preference or the numbers? <laughs> no, no, what, what do you think? <laughs> German one two three. Can you get a German one two three? I suppose you got Laura Phillip. You've got Anne Haug. Have you got a third good German? Yeah, Daniela Bleimel, but I don't think she's yeah. she's uh, podium uh, material quite yeah. quite uh, these days. Um, I mean, sentimental. I um I I would really um hope that Daniela gets to have one of those um standout days where she's leaving everything on the race course and has has an awesome day. Um, that would really be something like like old performance to her. Um, it's probably not going to happen because you only have that once every couple of years, and she already had that that awesome day in in Rot this year. Um, to me, um, I think Anne Hauk is a really strong one to look at. She'd be on my podium. Um, Kat Matthews would also be someone I'd really love to see there. Uh, Chelsea, I don't know if she's she's hey, going hey, to. Hey, hey, I said three up there. I said three. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're just covering the top. <laughs> you're, you're just giving us all of them. <laughs> yeah, basically, I don't know. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about um, this race. I think that that that's what makes it, it interesting is that everyone has their kind of question mark next to her name. 
Yeah. And it's really hard to pick them. So, okay. And Laura and Chelsea. Nice. Oh, oh, so you named them all. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and in terms of the Kona try rating report that you've got, give us, give us a quick rundown on uh, on what people can expect and where they need to go and get that. Yeah, so they need to go to the tryrating.com website. Uh, there, sh- there is a pretty obvious one uh, picture of the of the report uh, on the homepage, um, and they can uh, click on that and get it through, get the free download through my website. Um, it's a free download of, I think, 75 pages is what I have this year. Um, looking through a number of the data points for Kona previous, um, I have a long analysis of last year's race. I have a look. Uh, who are the favorites for this year? All seven of them, Bevan. Um, <laughs> and I also have the whole um, pro field with a short summary of uh, their strengths and weaknesses, what race results they have, and so on. So um, whenever someone surprisingly shows up the front, you can have a look at what's, what's their background and look at um, the way I open it is uh, you can you can download for free. And then if you like it, you can make a donation. Uh, lots of people made a donation in the past, but I'm still way behind what I've seen last year, even yeah. if I count a niece. So apparently the interest for Kona and niece seems to be a bit down over oh, Kona last year. Even just on the amount of downloads you got? Yes, downloads oh, wow. and uh, and donations are pretty much... Uh, similar tra- trajectory there yeah okay. yeah well, well first of all everyone download it because it's amazing and especially on race that's a really good resource to have and then secondly give the man some money he puts a lot of effort into it's a this. magazine yeah it's like a magazine yeah. um the only other question i had was was not sort of kind of related it was just with the the pto races um <clears throat> and again we get frustrated with the ironman coverage <laughs> because the um the data is not often great and it was a lot better for the PTO events but I noticed they were wearing sort of uh, they all had some sort of tracker and their triceps mm-hmm. up sort of around their neck maybe explain what that was and what data that was feeding back to the um, to the commentary team yeah so the idea behind these trackers is um, for now all the splits are done off timing mats and obviously you can't have a timing mat every 20 meters or 100 meters. Mm-hmm. So they're usually a couple of minutes apart on the race course. It's a bit easier on those looped courses. Um, but ideally we want to have uh, life, um, yeah, leaderboards um, that show up to the second what is actually going on with the, with the timing mats. You always have these situations where X overtook Y after the timing mat and then it doesn't show up until the next timing mat. So that's where we want to get to. And what they're trying to do is to get that data um, stable. Um, for now, everyone's wearing these units that transfer GPS position and, if possible, heart rate, and for some of them, uh, wattage as well. Um, but the units themselves are not um, reliable enough to for us to replace the, the timing mats for now. It's the direction that we're working on. And I know some of the guys in London are getting frustrated that uh, the progress is slower than what they're hoping for. Um, but we want to get there and hopefully we can make that technology work. Um, I don't think anyone has ever had that that uh, perfectly done as, as we have it in mind. Um, usually it's an issue of um, you need cell coverage to transfer the data. And that is something that gets tricky in the long range of a triathlon. Mm. Um, it's just just one of those things where you think because you have your own GPS tracker uh, on your wrist that it's easier to um, merge all that data for everyone. 
but just getting all the data and then properly crunch it um, is a big bit of a challenge. And you know, there's a lot of people who claim they have a solution, but um, at least I haven't seen the the um, work the way that I would love to see it. Um, so that's the direction we're going. Uh, ongoing work and hopefully something that'll be starting to um, be shown in the 2024 races, but at least we're working on it and hoping to get it to work soon. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people just go. It's it's really easy. I wear my GPS watch. Why can't we just get this all yeah. transmitting? But it's uh, it's, it seems pretty challenging. And was it mandatory for all the athletes to to wear it in that race? It looked to me like they all had them on. Yes, um, the idea was um, um, Milwaukee, I think, or the initial one that I saw was was uh, Ibiza, and then you really saw them everyone wear them in Milwaukee and Ibiza and and uh, Singapore mm. um to uh, properly scale all the information and to make sure that we have numbers to crunch on that mm. um yeah either if um either you make all of them wear that or it can be an an, an advantage for those who don't wear it so yeah. let's rather make everyone wear it uh, it's going to be exciting year next year with uh, some more more racing happenings. So, Torsten, as always, thanks for your um, thanks for your time. Um, get some sleep. Get yourself ready for a, <laughs> for an all nighter coming up this weekend. We're we're happy because the time zone's good for us. For you guys, not so good. Yeah. But we have the uh, opposite for for Nice. So at least it's uh, it's kind of a, a more level playing field than it, what it used to be. So thanks as always for your time, guys. Make sure you go to tryrating.com, download the report, give Torsten a donation for this magazine style. Um, um work. yeah work and uh look forward to hearing from you again in the future yeah thanks guys always fun to chat with you and hopefully meet you again at some of the races <laughs> awesome mate jumbo your thoughts it's all good uh what uh yeah torsi's got some good picks good information go check yeah. it oh, out he did give me a pick no he did, he, did he did at the end no, he but, he, but he was starting to no he was a roll fence a you know it torsten now we did get an email here from uh, good old Andrew Roberts, who's in Kona. So he just said, I'm in Kona supporting my partner, Jan, who is racing after qualifying in Ironman New Zealand in Go March. Jan. Go, Jan. Just thought I'd pass my thoughts so far and that I really should be ahead of the offer. Or he's saying if he wants to send more stuff through, send it through. I was lucky to race here in 2016 as a legacy athlete and would give my left eye to race here again. Why not the right eye? Yeah. You know, you're biased on eyes, are you? <laughs> After arriving here during a driving from the airport, the immediate thing that stood out was the homeless people on the side of the King K and Mark and Day Hill. It certainly wasn't my experience seven years ago. After settling in and wandering around Kona for a day or so, the town certainly isn't what I remembered, with homeless people on the rock wall overlooking the swim start and many empty shops. The police drive their own cars with blue flashing lights on as it's cheaper than providing a Special police vehicles. The overall vibe is okay, just not the same. I asked my many locals their thoughts, and they're overwhelmingly they just want to get back to the way it was before COVID. It's a bloody expensive trip. From the moment Jan qualified, we were not going to not come. We left the kids at home with the family, and so we are fortunate and grateful to have the means to do it. My 20 cents worth. I'll give you an update on race day uh, because he's hoping to do some volunteer work, and he loves what we do. So I think um, a couple of points there is, for us Kiwis, you have to go over there really early. Yep. Um, and I assume if you qualified at uh, I'm in New Zealand, she's Kiwi. Um, yeah, the police—that's always been the way. They've just—they just put a light on top of their car. Yeah, like our old, uh, old TV shows. Yeah, I mean, I've been back since COVID last year. Um, I didn't notice more homeless than, than usual. Um, there's always been those ones along the front. I didn't see any on Mark and Dave Hill. Um, but when you go that early, 
for Kiwis, it is pretty quiet. It's like it doesn't start ramping up till sort of Tuesday, um, Monday, Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see what that's like this week. Um, But I definitely agree with them. It's expensive and there's definitely been quite a bit of closure in terms of um, shops and stuff over there. And that's a COVID thing. That's nothing to do with Iron Man. It's probably also a bit of work from home. Sorry? Well, work from home, you know, like not just, mm. you know, like, like that's not the only place in the world where retail shops are struggling. Yeah, totally. You know, we buy online more, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it'd be great if you can give us an update post-race, Andrew, just to tell us about the experience and, and how it compared to what you experienced when you were there. Uh, and that's for everyone. If, if you've got some feedback, uh, by all means, share it through. Okay, your quiz question. Quiz question. Let's Charles Barclay, how many, um, how many podiums has she got in Kona? It's even four or five. I'm going four. Yeah, so am I, I think. What a good question. Another good question that I sort of had as a follow-up here. Has she not been on the podium in Kona? When she's raced? Mm. And I think the answer to that is no, um, which is bloody impressive. Okay, let's have a look. Okay, so oh, oh, wait, I'll go five then. I'm going four. Just to, to be different. Yeah. So, okay, so, and uh, I'm pr- well, at least the ones I remember she's got. Didn't, didn't race last. Oh, no, she, she did race she last. She did last year. Second, so that's one. Didn't race 2019. She got second. Two. 18, she got second. Three. 17, she got second. No, it's four. Four. Uh, so four yeah. seconds. Far out. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought there was a third in there for, 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 for a moment. Uh, that's wor- way worse than Raylu, isn't it? No, Raylu only got second a couple of times, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Raylu, uh, yeah, well, you go to that conversation, the best athlete to never win. Mm. Raylu was that because he was the best guy in the world at that, particularly mm. the year Maka won the second time. Um, but oh, I can't see her winning it <laughs> this year. Well, the nip, the nip factor could work for her advantage. Because uh, yeah. how much time does she need off the bike? Uh, she's she's a good runner now, but but she she you know she could run a high two fifties. So let's well, say she ran she, three 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 or two last year. Yeah. So let's say if if you if she wants to win, she'd probably have to run a two fifty seven. So she's going to need you know at least five minutes on the runners off the bike. Ideally, sort of seven minutes would be would be great. So her uh, best runs actually only three or two. Yeah, but I, I think she's she's if you have the perfect day, high she can handle a high two fifty. Because the other thing is, let's say Nib does get there, a couple of girls get up there, she's more conserved off the bike as well. Mm. You know, so that might give her a couple of minutes. So and the other the, the other different thing for her this year, um, is she hasn't done nine man. That could be a good or a bad thing. Um, so she maybe she's a little bit fresher, and some of that might be load related, it might be injury related. Not quite sure, but it could, she's just going to have to have the race of her life and hope that a couple of other people don't hundred percent fire up. Because I think if a couple of other people hundred have their perfect race, don't think she could win. She's going to have to bank on her having the absolute best race and a few of the big hot shots not having the hundred percent day. So, but I would, I'm a bit with you. I would like to see who yeah, wins. My heart says, like as much as I've picked her as my win. It's if I was a, if I was a betting man, it probably wouldn't have been that. Mm. But I just want the girl to win the race. You can't mm. like imagine she gets second again. Yeah. Oh, it'd just be devastating. Mm. Um, although I remember last year she was very happy with her performance. Yeah, that was different. because yeah. she was coming back from yep. injury, and she, and, and she had that fight, which kind of was a good little finish. So she was actually not disappointed last year. But mm. anyway, let's go winger of the week. What year? How many Konas have there been? Started in 78, so I guess we're sort of coming up, so it must be about 30, 38-ish, but give or take. There, might have, there was a bonus some, year some one like, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go number 38 on okay. Wanger of the Week this week. Okay, Wanger of the Week. You do oh, it because my internet's taking forever. Yeah. Uh, righty-ho. Last week, I can tell you one thing for sure, it was not me. Uh. Uh, 38. 
Ian Banks. Uh, Good old Banksy. Uh, he's he's an artist. He <laughs> that's a that's a, a quiz question on the chase. If, if they ever mention street artist, you, you butt in, it's Banksy. <laughs> Every single time. Well, that's the thing with the quiz show. You, if you know the area, it's always the obvious answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's never actually that complicated. You've just got to know the areas of, yeah. of the subject. So if it's, you know, if it's 1700 something, it's always this person. Yeah. But you, it's, the key is knowing lots of different areas. Yeah. Um, so Ian Banks, he, swam, he did 15 hours and 58 minutes of training from 12 activities. He bike, uh, swam 134. He did 12 hours and 24 minutes of biking, dominated on the bike, and then one hour and 40 minutes, 41 minutes of running. 38. Ian Banks. Ian Banks from the Parvilla CC, I guess that's Cycling Club, and Plush Global. Uh, and that's about all I can tell you because... He's got, a great, he's got a great profile shot, but it's a good selfie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's a cheap... Chief Flu, Fluite and owner at Parvel Cycles. Parvilla Cycles. Oh, there you go. So good on you. Parvilla Cycles. Go check them out. Ian Banks, you are our, our winner of the week. week. Okay, so I've already done all the questions and answers. So let's go through to your swim set. What did you do? What did we do this morning? 500 warm-up, which was 150 freestyle, 50 backstroke, 50 breaststroke. And then we moved into our main sets, um, which was 2 by 400s pull, steady. Uh, and then 250s kick hard. And then 3 by 200s moderately hard. And then 250s kick hard. 4 by 100 very hard, uh, 250s kick hard, and finished with 550s. So it was like two 400s, three 200s, four 100s, 550s, uh, and then we did 100 easy, and then four 25s underwater, uh, and 100 warm down. Okay, rock and roll. Because the reason we're doing underwater, it is actually, re- it's good for your relaxation. Well, it's not really. I was at the pool the other week, me and my mate did under breathing, uh, hold your breath underwater. Oh, I hated it. You have to be a little bit careful with doing it. But 25 is okay. But um, Thomas met someone who I used to swim with when I was younger, and she was kind of the boss of the, the lane. And you had to do 50 metres underwater. I've probably told this before. 50 yeah. metres underwater to get into the fast lane where I used oh, to swim. Oh, really? And 50 that's metres. A stupid. That's a, what has that got to do with how fast It's bloody hard. This was when I was like his age. Like I was probably 15 or 16, and yeah. they're like 40. And. Um, and so he had to do 50 to get 50 metres underwater to get in the fast lane. He said, I reckon I can 50. And I was like, it's pretty bloody hard. Good so luck. We'll build up to it and see if he can do it. So we's, we can do, we, he's, he's good, actually. He can do 25 pretty comfortably. But 25 is 25. 50 is oh, a lot further. I remember doing 25 those last five metres. I'm desperately <laughs> trying to I can, get there. I can, you can, I can probably get to about 30, do the turn, and you can get to probably 35, 40. That last 10 is a killer. Now, what, what stroke are you doing? I'm doing uh, breaststroke pullouts yep. with a funny kick. It's, it's, it's a Newsome patented kick. Oh, really? It's kind of my left leg does a breaststroke <laughs> and my right one kind of does this like freestyle kick yeah. and I seem to get good propulsion yeah. from that. Mate, so, you should patent that. Yeah, you should. <laughs> but you've got to be really streamlined, good push off the wall and do really good pullouts uh, and just glide and relax. Okay, the, uh, that's the swim set for today. Okay, let's go to our patrons, John. We've got three patrons here. James, the Red Rocket Thomas. We've got Paula Wave Crasher Ryan. And Sam, Wild One Walls. Sam last night at the gym and in the morning as well. We're running. Uh, let's go into our spo- uh, patrons if you want to become with a patron. sponsors, if you do want to be some sponsors. We've been a sponsor a long time. Ever. Come on, we've got an amazing big worldwide audience. There you go. Jump on board. Um, also, uh, if you want to become get the show, oh, if you want to become a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. It's where you sign up to be a patron. For those who are patrons, we really appreciate the support you give the show. And if you're not and you're thinking about it, 
just do it. It's easy to do. Um, if you want to show email to you down at the bottom of the front page for coaching or Epic Camp, go to Coach John Newsom or EpicCamp.com. And for anything I do, BevanJamesIsles.com. If you want to email us, email us at IamTalkPodcast at gmail.com. Jombo, you goss. Been away for a week up in Kiteria, which is always good times. Just a little couple of days tramp. I've got a worrying trend that's happening. We come back from tramps. I purchased tramping equipment. Oh, uh, really? when, when we say the Americans laugh when we say tramping, hiking, yeah. um, or trail walking. Uh, what did yeah, you buy this time? Bought a pack on the way back. Oh, yeah. Need a pack. It's a good pack. What was wrong with your pack? Oh, uh, they're pretty shit. My, my pack's ginormous and we need to get a one that Belinda can use, which is a bit smaller and lighter, and then I can use it when she's How much you pay for a pack? Uh, we got a 20, 30% discount, oh, so really? it's about like three, 300. Uh, 300 for a pack? Yeah, yeah. yeah Jeez. Yeah, um, but it makes a big difference. And the pack I was using last week, we did a trip. Why does it make a difference? Um, well, if it's not, uh, the pack that I've got is a real big bertha, and I need that if we're taking the whole family because I yep. carry a shitload of stuff, but it's heavy and it's big. Uh, and if it's not fully loaded, it's not particularly comfortable. Okay. So I want a smaller pack because when we some when we're doing like a one nighter, you just want a lot less stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I need a smaller. Are pack. they positioned better on your back? Oh, and it's way better. Like my other one's quite old. Yeah. Um, this one's there, way lighter, way better positioning, better profile, and you can just spread the load heaps better. So yeah, we did a two day tramp with a little Tommy, twenty five k's first time. Tommy's not that little anymore. No, he's, he's not. Taller he's taller than you, isn't he? So should he be calling Big Tommy? Yeah, should be calling him Big Tommy. He'd <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, we did about six hours on the first day. It was around the tableland, sort of Mount Arthur in the Kaharingi National Park. Beautiful. First day was six hours. Second day was seven hours. Couldn't quite get to the top of Mount Arthur because it was snowing. Um, but it was a good lesson for Tom to learn because we got annihilated in the weather yeah. on the first day. Uh and it was getting a bit dangerous, um, so it was good for him to see that when you had parents around, and he was—it was just me and a mate and him. But it's good; it makes the trip so much more rewarding when it's epic. It'd be like having oh, a Kona yeah. year like you had yeah. when it was really, really windy. If we'd had a beautiful day, it would have been stunning. Yeah. But it's always going to be remembered as being so, so much more epic. So you stay overnight up top? Yeah, and there's huts. New Zealand is so fortunate; we've got these dock uh, Department of Conservation huts everywhere. Was anyone else had it to ourselves? And, no. uh, and when you get in there, got the fire cranking. We were like shaking like crazy yeah. uh, got the fire cranking and it's always good do, do, when you do the huts um, is the firewood there is it yeah oh that's good <clears throat> that's what you want it was, it was funny it was, it, you gotta you, you do the good thing you, ch- you use firewood and you chop some up yeah. they, they helicopter fi- I assume they must helicopter firewood in um, we didn't have a lot of clothing and I was out there chopping firewood and my mate did, forgot his change of clothes and he's like soaking wet standing there sort of yeah it's 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 Chopping wood, it's it's like a manly thing. Oh, mate. It's like mowing the lawns is one thing. Yeah, but chopping was the next chopping level, wasn't it? Chopping wood is next mate. level. And this wood was really hard wood, and it, what the, the axe wasn't great. Oh, so there wasn't any chopped up? Oh, no, they had some chopped up, but we had to replenish the okay. stocks. And you really had to get the shoulders going and swinging that thing. Oh, mate. I thought your shoulders were looking bigger. <laughs> you felt like a, today. Yeah, you felt like a man. I don't do manly things, but yeah. on the odd occasion I do, mm. you do feel pretty good, don't you? You do. Yeah. yeah. So that was it, Bevan. What's happening with you? Well, we went to Hamner for a few days. That was great lovely. place, Hamner. That is a really good place to go for a few days. We Your new hydro slides open? No, oh. no. But I don't think it's that good. 
I suppose they look the three D side of it looked pretty funny. What are the three D? Well, you go through there and they've got stuff playing all around you, and it's like uh, a video game. Because they're almost. not that high. No. Because because they've got the old ones which are bigger. Yeah. Uh, so you got the the big high ones. Mm-hmm. Well, they start kind of a third of the way down from there. Yeah, they've always started there. So they're yeah. not. I think they're more kids' height sides. Yeah. Than than. Uh, but I did go on the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good fun. And then uh, what else did we do? We had some friends come up, and I read. I'm reading Wayne Smith's book. Oh, Wayne Smith is a All Black coach. Uh, he's a. Have you ever met him? He's a fascinating man. Oh, have you met him? Have you? Well, just at a. a we were at some training sports coaches training day, and he's just got this aura about him. He, he's just the most laid back, non pretentious guy mm. at all. Mm. But he's just what he just says. It's just common sense and just well, they, 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 so they, they argue he's the greatest thinker in rugby ever mm. you know like they call him the professor and it's um so for those who don't know much about rugby he, he was he, he was the all-black coach for a while but only for a short period yeah but when we won two world cups he was one of the assistant coaches and they reckon just his thinking about how to play the game was mm. quite influential and then last year he took on uh the world rugby the for the female team. all black team or the black ferns mm-hmm. um, and they were in a they were in a terrible position six months before mm-hmm. they lost their coach they'd been killed by thumbs. the thumbs and traditionally they'd always been a great team he took them over six months ago and one maybe my my one of my favourite games of sport ever in mm-hmm. that, that final mm. was that, that when we beat South Africa in the cricket at that time yeah, you know when we hit the six off that final ball yeah. to get into the World Cup final. Yeah, you know those two probably are my two favorite games of sport of all time, and and the Poms were just so good, mm. and and so he's written a book that's come out, and um, you know I started reading it last night, and, and you just tell straight away, just a thinker, mm. you know, just a man who just you know just. Um, so I'm re- I'm re- I read Wayne Bennett's book last week mm-hmm. as well, which is he's mm-hmm. kind of arguably be the greatest coach of rugby league. But he was an interesting one as well because he had a really bad dad. His dad was just basically a bit of a sleaze and a bit of a drunk and mm. abandoned the family. And, and um, there's a really beautiful story in it. So basically, there was a player who was it was like an NRL player, but not great. NRL, so the the league, yeah, like the, the, the big rugby league mm. kind of league. Um, and uh, there was a player who was playing for him who was. A kind of a, like not quite a, a, a top grade play every week, mm-hmm. but this guy was just life was going to custard, and um, and they tell they tell the story where he, basically the guy was pretty depressed and you know living in his house, he hadn't cleaned his house or anything, and one day Wayne Bennett just turns up mm. and uh, cleans up his house, mm. you know, and just like literally cleans his whole house, you know, and this is a guy who's kind of just a coach, you know, um, and he brings his family back, and he was from New Zealand, he said, look, you need to go back to New Zealand, and mm. and even checked on to make sure he got a job and stuff, and like. No one ever knew this. It mm. was just like, because Bennett arguably is maybe not the, he's not necessarily a Wayne Smith kind of coach, which is a great mm. thinker. He's the carer of men. Mm. Um, and uh, it was just, yeah, it was a really interesting insight into the building of trust that a good coach needs. Mm. Um, yeah, so I've, I've, I love a good sport. I love a good coach. Mm. You know, I, got, I did an interview when my book came out. And you know, they had the, you know the the five questions at the end that said who would you want to go to dinner with and I've always sucked at that question because mm-hmm. there's not many people I really want to go to dinner with you mm-hmm. know and um and and I end up saying Scott Robertson and Nolene Totora yeah yeah who's the netball coach of New Zealand because mm-hmm. uh, I'm fascinated in people who have the ability to bring out greatness in others and mm-hmm. like Robinson who's going to be the next All Black coach which is going to be really interesting because the All Blacks. Fingers crossed we went this weekend, but <laughs> in the last three years we've really lost it. Since probably the last four or five years, we've lost our mm. aura, 
and we haven't been the dominant team which traditionally we've been. Uh, and our coach, you don't have much faith in him, unfortunately. Mm. And then Robinson is a guy who every team he's coached, they've just won. You know, from to juniors to 21s to Canterbury to the Crusaders. And so it's going to be really interesting to see him taking over the reins and see. Because New Zealand rugby has some behind-the-scenes stuff that needs to be worked on. But, mm. yeah, I, I just love I love somebody who has the ability to bring out greatness in others. Mm. And um, so I'm, Swiss, yeah, I'm reading Smith's book and, and Robinson. I'm really interested in him. Cool. Yeah. Who's been your greatest coach? Uh, I've only had a few coaches. So. Yeah, I suppose in our sport it's a bit different, isn't it? Because yeah. it's often more just programming, isn't mm, it? Mm, you know, we don't yeah. necessarily create environments. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Right, Bevan, I'm going to go do an interview. Uh, you've got to shoot off. Yep. I'm going to go interview somebody else for a, probably the week after next show. And the guest is going to be doing an Ironman that is quite the contrast to what we're going to experience this weekend in Kona. So you hear about that later. It's the ultimate contrast really, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, so you hear about that, but really looking forward to Kona this weekend. It should be an amazing race. Let's hope it's not a domination by anybody. And if it is, uh, let's hope they really cover sort of second through fifth. It's going to be awesome. Right, here we go. Uh, if you want to get on a bike ride, the other thing is uh, I'm going to be, oh, I've organised a Zwift ride. Um, if you do want to be watching Kona and riding, uh, jump on that, go onto our Facebook page or contact me. I uh, don't know how many people will do it, but it's going to be on the Four Horsemen course um, and it's going to be starting 25 mi- 35 minutes after Kona begins. So you can kind of, I'm going to have like, I don't know how many screens I'm going to have going, Bevan, because I'm going to have the rugby, which starts at 8, Ironman starts at 6. It was 5.30, and then uh, I have to have Zwift, so it's going to be... Man, you're you know, like a kid. It's going to be overloaded. You're like a teenager. Yeah. You know, your screen, so much screen time, John. I know. Okay, let's wrap it up. Iron Rust. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.